Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. So the scripture passage this morning is coming to John, it's coming from John's Gospel, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 18. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart who has made him known. This is the word of God for all God's people. Let us say, thanks be to God. So a few weeks ago, I was in a simple passing conversation and someone said to me, I just carry so much weight in my face. I hate that I have four chins. And it was just a few hours later that someone else in a simple passing conversation said to me, you and I both know that these thick thighs are not cute. So then I started paying attention to how often we comment on our own bodies and how often we are unkind to ourselves. Many of the comments are um, just said in passing. They're not really in these in-depth conversations where we're unpacking what's being said. I'm just working out so I can get good abs. Or if I grow facial hair, they'll think that I'm a man and not a boy. Or the one that maybe broke me the most. Oh, I don't even bother buying a swimsuit. No one wants to see this. And I found myself saying things like this about my own body and passing to other people, and especially in my own head. There are parts of my body that I wish were smaller. There are parts of my body I wish were skinnier. 
And really there are parts of my body that I would give anything to be a lot stronger. So I want us to take these things that we say about our own bodies and I'm gonna show you a photo I have of a man and we're gonna talk about what he looks like. Let's see that picture. Okay, so this guy, any thoughts around the room about this guy? Well, I'll start, his face isn't really symmetrical. It looks like one eye is maybe bigger than the other. He has a pretty wide nose. He carries weight in his cheeks. His hair is certainly a little unkept and his beard is out of control. Does anybody in the room know who this man is? This is Jesus. This is a digitally constructed image made by Richard Neve, who is a historical anthropologist who made this image for a BBC documentary using different um, artifacts that we have of what Jesus probably really looked like. And to date, this is the most accurate depiction that we have. But I'm sure you were looking for more of a photo like this guy. There's not a whole lot to critique in this picture, right? We've got a guy with blue eyes, smooth skin, perfectly wavy hair, a well-trimmed beard without a single whisker out of place, and the perfect nose. And you can see his collarbones, which probably means he wears a size small t-shirt, right? Is this the Jesus that you picture? Now here's my question. Is anybody bothered about the fact that I critiqued the historically accurate Jesus? I mean, how could I? How could I say those things about the greatest gift that God has ever given us besides our life itself? The savior of humankind, the Messiah, the man whose resurrection we gather to celebrate every single week. But I'd pose another question to you. Was anyone bothered by the statements I said at the beginning that I've heard us say about our own bodies? Or did we just find that we say those things too. Today's scripture that David read for us is the first 18 verses of John's gospel. Now remember we have four gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one has their own way that they tell the story of Jesus. So Matthew gives us this huge genealogy all the way from Abraham to Jesus. Mark opens up when Jesus is 30 years old and is getting baptized. The Gospel of Luke gives us a lot of the material for our Christmas sermons, like messiahs and kings and prophecies and wise men in a manger. But John takes an entirely different approach. Instead of opening up with a, a narrative telling the story of what happened, he gives us this poem. The author even brings in some of the New Testament. In verse one, when it starts in the beginning, you can't help but think all the way back to a little book called Genesis, which starts with, in the beginning. This clear parallel of, of John's gospel going all the way back to the Old Testament to Genesis is a clear indication that this gospel, in comparison to the other three, is on a whole other level. It's not like the others. And so in this poem in John 1, uh, what I love that the author does is they bring together two things. Over here we have kind of the eternal and cosmic field, and over here is the temporary and the world field. The eternal and the temporary don't typically go together. But in the prologue of John's gospel, 
he beautifully bridges them together in just 18 verses. I was asking our staff around this week, what are two things that shouldn't go together but do? And we came up with the answer, french fries and ice cream. Okay, so the eternal and the cosmic is the french fries and the temporary in the world is ice cream. And in John 1, the author takes us into dipping our french fries into the ice cream. If you've never tried this, go after church, it's a delicious snack. In John 1, we see that through God, the things that shouldn't come together do. What I love about John 1 is not a single thing is created without God. Now, anytime in John 1 you see um, the word with that capital W, it's this Greek word logos, L-O-G-O-S, which can be translated to mean the self-expression of God which we call Jesus. So John 1 tells us that Jesus, the word, the logos, the self-expression of God comes down to earth. God exists in the sphere of the eternal, but also comes and joins us in the temporary. God lives in the cosmic, but then comes to the world. God is light and never overcome by darkness. God knows and God sees. And then God experiences. God came down to earth. Verse 14 says the word, the capital W word, became flesh and made his home among us. Or to put it another way, God chose a human body. And God did not choose an unrealistically beautiful superstar celebrity body maybe like that second picture. (laughs) But God chose an ordinary human body for a man who lived in the Middle East at the time. God chose a body with facial hair that wasn't trimmed to perfection and probably had more hair in weird places. God chose a body with thick thighs and dirty feet from all of the walking. God chose a body that had darker skin than most of us sitting here. God chose a body that did not have a teeny tiny waist or washboard abs, neither of which were really needed to survive in Israel at the time. And don't miss this part. God came to earth through the means of a female human body. God was carried in Mary's womb to term and brought into the world through all of the indignities, the blood and the fluids and the sweat and just the general uncleanliness of birth through a human body. What I think John 1 is telling us is that human bodies are good enough for God. One of the things I love the most about John 1 is it's a clear example of those times where scripture so clearly intersects with our lives. The words that we see in the Bible here actually come to life actually come into the life that we are living here in 2021. Human bodies are good enough for God. Our bodies are part of God's design because remember in John 1, not a single thing is created without God. And this includes human bodies. Human bodies are part of God's design. This includes my body. This includes your body. It includes uh, exactly where your body is right now in this moment today, not what you wish that it could be. 
Human bodies are part of God's design, and that includes the other bodies that we see. Black bodies, brown bodies, plus-sized bodies, disabled bodies, the list goes on and on. Our bodies are a gift from God. And it's our job to be good stewards of our bodies. So let me have a little correction moment here. This does not mean that you can march out of the sanctuary today and eat 12 donuts and say, well, Pastor Carrie Lynn said human bodies are good enough for God. Remember how it parallels back to Genesis 1? God gives humanity this gift of the earth and animals and things to take care of, and then God gives a commandment to take care of it. And so just as we have been given a human body that is good enough for God, we are to be good stewards and to take care of them. Human bodies are good enough for God. And our bodies are part of our relationship with God. Dr. Terry Parsons, who preached for us back in January, wrote a book on marriage and relationships called The Intimacy Jungle. And we actually have a couple of copies in our church library if you find yourself wanting to read it. I think it's a great book, and I'm not even married, and I think it's a great book on relationships. But towards the end, he tells this story about a couple that was experiencing problems with physical intimacy in their relationship. When they started going to therapy, one of the things that they identified was a goal for Marilyn, the woman, to develop more of a healthy body image. She knew that her life was gonna be more fully experienced and enjoyed if she found a way not only to like her body, but to love it. And so Dr. Parsons challenged her to come back to one of their sessions, identifying just one body part that she was thankful for. And she came back and in front of her husband and her therapist, she said, aren't elbows just really incredible? They're like hinges, like there's so much that they do. I wanna put forward the same challenge for us. I want you to name one part of your body that you are thankful for. For me, it's my hair. When I was in middle school all the way into college, I straightened this curly hair. I don't even wanna think about the math of the number of hours that I would spend in the evenings straightening my hair so I could sleep on it so in the morning it wouldn't take as long to straighten. I wanted to look like everyone else. I wanted to fit in. I had shame and negative feelings about the uniqueness that God gifted me with. But about four years ago, I embraced my naturally curly hair full time. I've gone four whole years without taking a single straightener to my hair. And you know what? I love my curly hair. I love that it's different. I love that it's frizzy when it's humid, like today. I love that it grows when it's humid, like Monica on that episode of Friends. I love that God put curly hair on my body. Appreciating my hair as part of my relationship with God. In fact, it helps me have more intimacy in my relationship with God. I can recognize the uniqueness that God has created me with. Looking at our bodies as a gift from God helps strengthen our relationship with God, but it also helps us look at our relationships with one another. When we look at our bodies positively, there are people around us that start to notice. 
One of the greatest gifts that I've had from embracing my curly hair is how I've watched certain people, certain generations behind me, see someone who's embracing their curly hair and learn that it's okay to embrace theirs too. I want you to think back to the beginning, the things that we say about our own bodies. Would you ever say those things about the body of a child or the body of a teenager? Of course not. But you need to recognize whether you're a parent or a grandparent or not, those who are coming up behind us are watching and listening and you know what they're doing? The second that you say something negative about your body, they're rushing to the mirror to look at theirs and applying the same critique. Learning to see our bodies as a good thing helps us but think about how it might impact those that are coming up after us. And so I challenge you today to find someone to say out loud to, this is the part of my body that I am thankful for. Maybe it's your laugh lines on your face. They show that you've lived a life that has been wrapped in humor, that you've smiled, that you've laughed. Or maybe it is your thighs that have carried you. You couldn't run or jump or climb without them. Or maybe it's your face. Even if it does look boyish without a beard, your face has provided comfort for people in your life. Your face has hopefully spoken words of truth and love to people. Or maybe it's your arms. No matter how big they are or how you wish they looked, your arms have hugged people. Your arms have comforted people. Your arms have held children and animals. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and don't miss this. Your body that is sitting right here today, exactly where it is, has carried you through a global pandemic. And it, it's okay. <coughs> I'm so sorry. <coughs> Your body has carried you through a global pandemic and it's okay if it looks different today than it did a year ago. Your body is good enough for God. The word, the logos, the self-expression of God came to earth, took on a human body just like yours. <coughs> <I'm so coughs> hey Claude, could you get me some water? Oh, or David, thank you. I'm so sorry, friends. The word, the logos, the very self-expression of God took on a human body that looks like yours and looks like mine for this life on earth. Your laugh lines, your thick thighs, your six-packless abs, your face, your hair, every single part of you is the image of God. Your body, my body, our bodies, all human bodies are good enough for God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of human bodies and everything that is weird about them and everything that is wonderful about them. God, we ask that 
you might come into the ways that we talk about our bodies so that we can be closer to you, but also so we can inspire others. Teach us to be more like you. In your name we ask these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.